A Democratic lawmaker has been accused of sexual harassment, and more than 100,000 children have been unenrolled from the state's Medicaid program in the last two years, a Tennessean investigation showed. You're listening to Grand Divisions. This is the week of April 8th. I'm Natalie Allison, and we have with us by phone today... Joel Ebert. <laughs> Joel Ebert is somewhere warmer and sunnier than Nashville today. I'm sorry to uh, not be there in Nashville with you, Natalie. You know what? You're in a better place. Uh, you're not missing anything here. We're glad you called in. Uh, we're going to jump right to it. This week, we're talking about Representative Rick Staples. Yeah, so uh, obviously last week was a big week, but for those that may not recall, Rick Staples, the uh, Knoxville Democrat, uh, had two complaints filed against him recently, and we were able to talk to one of the complainants. Natalie, what was kind of the gist of what they said? So we, we were able to track down this woman, um, and she agreed to talk with us about her experience that led to her filing a complaint, or at least reaching out to uh, Democratic Caucus Chairman Mike Stewart, who in turn filed a complaint against Staples. Uh, what she says happened is that she she came to the, um, the state legislative office building uh, recently, um, and as part of that, did have an interaction with Representative Staples, in which she said uh, Staples grabbed her waist from behind, sort of held his hands uh, on her in that position. Um, and this was after having made some inappropriate comments about her appearance. Uh, she she says that she had previously heard about um, questionable behavior from, from Rick Staples before. She said she had ex- experienced him making comments towards her in the past because she is active in democratic politics in the state, but that never before had he actually touched her in a way that made her inappropriate. So that's what led to her filing the complaint this time. Of course, we do not name victims of harassment. That's why you will not find her name in our story. We did work to verify her story and talk to other people that verified some elements of it. Staples is the fourth lawmaker in four years to face allegations of some form of sexual misconduct. Obviously, the first was Jeremy Durham, the expelled former lawmaker who in 2016 had a report filed by the attorney general that found he had inappropriate sexual contact with at least almost two dozen women. In 2017, Representative Mark Lovell faced allegations of inappropriate conduct when he was at a legislative reception. He resigned abruptly. And last year, of course, we had Representative David Byrd facing his own allegations. It is unclear whether Staples will face some significant finding, but we did initially report and expect him to be removed from the Ethics Committee. There could be other punishments, but we will stay on top of it and report the latest. And and this time it, it is a little bit different than the last few because it involves a Democrat. And speaking of the Ethics Committee, uh, Republican leadership, specifically Cameron Sexton, the Republican caucus chairman, has indicated that an ethics investigation into Democratic leadership, specifically Representative Mike Stewart, uh, who received the initial complaint, uh, may be, maybe, maybe happening. He, he says that there's some kind of question or concern about whether Stewart acted fast enough when he received the information. Uh, the, the legislature's workplace harassment policy uh, does require that whenever um, someone like in, in Stewart's position 
receives this kind of information about uh, a victim, you know, allegedly being experiencing harassment in the workplace that they're supposed to report it immediately. Uh, from our reporting, from our speaking to uh, the woman who made the accusation, she said that she had to follow up with Stewart's office before she even received a response to her email. And then after that, there was some uh, element of going back and forth before she actually had confirmation that an investigation had been started. That's right. And in addition to some of those major differences, there's a couple of other things that should be highlighted. As I've talked to some members, including some Democrats, they point out and say, well, even if this allegation is true, Staples is no Harvey Weinstein, right? He's not a repeat offender, according to them. Uh, and he doesn't pose a danger like possibly somebody like Jeremy Durham did. When I talk to sexual assault experts and sexual harassment experts, they say that that doesn't matter. Any form of harassment in any workplace should be unacceptable, whether they are Harvey Weinstein or whether they just make a quick passing remark. Uh, So for a little bit more on that, you can hear a couple of those folks in a minute here. And here's a clip from this past week of an interview that Joel did with Sharon Robertson of the YWCA here in Nashville. Well, what I think at the heart of it, it is, it is no different than any other uh, from uh, domestic violence to sexual harassment. Oftentimes, you, these are all based on a culture of power and control, and that's what you have. I think if you were to design a system that would be that where uh, sexual harassment could thrive, it would probably be any sort of governmental body where you have elected officials. Because you have people who have a built-in constituency that have gathered enough votes to send them to represent them. So that means a lot of people found them very palatable in their minds to lead. And so that gives you power. All right, What once you have power, then you have people that need access to power. And for whatever reason, when you give access, the need for power, people need access to power. Uh, power can be a very intoxicating thing, and it can make people really do behaviors that are not acceptable. And so that whole power and control, because if you use the power that you have to control others, then next thing you know, you have a situation. And I think it's it's always happened, but people are much more aware. And I am very glad that women are speaking out uh, when appropriate about these behaviors. I really am glad to see, and people have to take this very seriously. Mm-hmm. It is not just, you know, this is the way things are. I think the power and control dynamics have to be stopped. And you have to really come to Nashville for the legislative process that people sent you here for that has nothing to do with sexual harassment behavior. It's just, it's just not appropriate. Any other behavior, if you came to Nashville and you were, let's say, drinking too much, mm-hmm. such that you had a uh, DUI or assaulted someone, if you did any other behavior that was considered inappropriate, actions would be taken. But for some reason, because this power and control dynamic has been allowed to go on for so long, no one wants to address it. So right before we, we had published on this story, we, of course, had reached out to Rick Staples, to the caucus, to caucus leadership uh, in the Democratic Party. 
Um, Rick Staples initially declined to comment for this story, um, had kind of gone back and forth on whether he would, and he declined to comment. Uh, the next day, though, he agreed to speak with r- reporters who were waiting outside the House chamber when he left. You know, there were a couple of TV cameras out there after our story published and um, some other reporters. And he he gave this form of apology in which he also, you know, denied doing anything wrong, but basically apologized if he offended anyone. Um, he said that in this day and age, it's so easy for your actions to be misinterpreted, that he is sorry if his actions were misinterpreted, that he would try to do better in the future, but but that this was being used as a political character assassination against him, which is which is, you know, an interesting choice of words, seeing how the woman who brought this accusation against him is a Democrat and is is quite active in democratic politics. Yeah, he didn't really elaborate on that. And, and so it's kind of curious what he's referring to. It's unclear whether he's referring to something like uh, potentially making the speaker's office angry. But again, this didn't derive from the speaker's office. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see what he's actually saying about it. I'm sure in the coming days, uh, as this investigation concludes, he might actually say something else. But we will have to stay on top of that and see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll say something. Uh, you know, we've, we've still got several more weeks of session, more than likely, but we'll stay on top of the story. We'll let you know what happens uh, if we can find out that Representative Staples has officially been removed from the Ethics Committee. Uh, but until then, we will move on to the next story this week. This week on the podcast, we have with us Brett Kelman. He is our healthcare reporter, also does quite a bit of investigative work. Brett, thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. This past week, Brett had a story that got quite a bit of attention. Um, He looked at numbers of children who had been purged from 10 care and cover kids roles, which are basically state Medicaid programs uh, for these children. Is that accurate? Basically, yes. And he he found that uh, there were, what, at least 128,000 children who lost coverage through the state over the last two years. Brett, can you tell us a little bit about what you found, how you found this out, and what it means? Sure. So I dug through about five years of enrollment data for two programs, 10Care and Covered Kids, both of which offer health insurance to low-income families with children. And what I figured out is that over the past two years, uh, between the two programs, approximately 128,000 children who used to have coverage abruptly don't. Um, And that's a lot of families in Tennessee who just don't have coverage anymore. Uh, Now, the state stressed that this is normal. They said these programs had grown very large and it was time to remove people who were no longer eligible. But there's some very serious questions about how many people were removed because they aren't eligible and how many people were removed because they didn't do paperwork properly or they never received the paperwork in the mail or they didn't understand the paperwork. And, And the reality is... There is lot. There are lots of children in the state who have lost health insurance merely because someone somewhere didn't do some paperwork. So, what they're telling you is that this is normal. Uh, this is a normal amount of children to to be removed from the, the state health care program in any given period of time. Um, you mentioned you're under the impression that a number of these children were taken off the rolls because of their their parents failing to fill out 
paperwork. Uh, were you able to find out like what the policy is for that? Or are you just automatically removed if you don't keep up with your paperwork? Or why would something like this happen? So uh, Care insists it has a pretty robust system of mailing people notifications and warnings and reminders. But the truth is the entire thing is done through the postal mail which means if TenCare has your address incorrectly, either because TenCare messed up or because you didn't update your address sometime over the last five years, no matter how many notifications they mail you, it's not going to matter. And another aspect of the reporting is that doctors from all over the state have told us that they're constantly having families come into their office and think they have TenCare and discover they don't in the doctor's office which lends a lot more credence to the idea that a lot of these families are being disenrolled purely because they don't know they have to renew. And there's a lot of question over whose fault that really is, but I think we all should wonder if we want to live in a state where children are entitled to health insurance but don't have it because of paperwork problems. And you did talk to families who showed up to the doctor, or at least doctors who had had families show up, uh, who learned while they were in the doctor's office with with sick children uh, that they had lost coverage. Um, So I, after your story came out, I asked the governor uh, what he thought about this information. You know, was it concerning? Was um, Western Care going to conduct some kind of review to see what happened? And, And he basically gave a pretty generic answer that he wants to make sure the people who are eligible uh, for these programs are enrolled and that anyone who isn't is not. Have you gotten any more response from anyone at the state or at TenCare about what's going on or what they're going to do moving forward? Um, what I've gotten from TenCare is mostly pushback about the story. They, they feel it mischaracterized the situation, although they were unable to identify any specific inaccuracies. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, I think what the governor said is easy to say but hard to do. To respond with, I'm going to look at this and make sure that people who have coverage, who should have coverage, have it, and who shouldn't have coverage, don't, means I am going to make sense of this very large, very complex insurance infrastructure where potentially tens of thousands of people aren't being properly notified. It's a really easy thing to say. But the reality of making that true is very difficult. I mean, you have to remember that TenCare for five years didn't have a functioning computer system to handle their applicants. Hundreds of thousands of families with health insurance across the state who are not managed by like one large overarching computer system saying, I'm going to look into this to make sure it works okay is, is a tall order. And, and we, we aren't exactly sure what that process will be, uh, if it will be some kind of formal process. Um, but I, I'm sure you're going to stay on this. You're going to continue to follow up uh, with the 10 Care Department. Uh, thanks for your reporting. Thanks for coming on, Brett. I was happy to be here. And now for this week's Notebook Dump. The governor's $30 million school resource officer bill, which would bring the total state funding for school safety this coming year to $40 million, is headed to his desk. The legislation passed both the House and the Senate last week. A plan to arm teachers is back in the legislature this session uh, that failed last year, but this year legislation to allow teachers to carry guns without any additional training, at least right now, uh, has passed the K-12 Education Subcommittee and will head to the full committee. A bill creating a trigger ban on abortion if Roe versus Wade were overturned is making a comeback in the House after being killed 
with the help of two Republicans the other week uh, in, in a health subcommittee. Assistant Majority Leader Ron Gant has filed a motion to recall the bill, which they're calling the Human Life Protection Act. Legislation allowing adoption agencies to deny services to same-sex couples or anyone else based on uh, the agency's religious objections has passed the House. When asked about how the Senate would approach a series of bills that are being opposed by the LGBTQ community this year, including one that some critics liken to a bathroom bill, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally expressed concerns last week about the bill's effects on economic development and the rights of individuals in the state. And Governor Bill Lee's office announced late last week that the state will temporarily return to paper-based TN-ready standardized testing next school year as Tennessee transitions away from its current vendor, Questar, and finds another company. As always, thanks for listening to Grand Divisions. Find us on iTunes and leave us a rating, preferably of five stars, but hey, be honest. You can also find us on Twitter at, at Grand Divisions 3 you can tweet at us, email Joel or I, slide into our DMs, tell us all the things you loved and hated about this podcast. Although this week you're going to have to direct all of your complaints to me since Joel is on vacation. Thanks for listening. Until next week, I'm Natalie Allison.